0: You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. This should be toward the top of your list. We've got liability figured out. We've got insurance. We've got a separation of liability. We've got our licensing in there. Let's figure out how to bring in some customers. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's kind of funny
1: that that wasn't like number one. I think it's just so assumed that if you're going to run a Mm -hmm. pest control company, your dream is to acquire customers, you know? And there was a post that I saw, I don't think it was in our group. I think it was in a different pest control group where somebody mentioned, hey, you know, like I just started my company a little bit ago and, you know, things are a little bit lean as far as customers coming in, you know, what can I do?
0: Hey, everyone, welcome to... The Bug Bucks Podcast. I'm Alan Draper. As always, I've got Eric Bassett here with me. What's going on in your world, Eric?
1: Hey, Alan. Not too much. It's a little bit of rain, a little bit more sun. So it's good, man. I mean, it's a perfect combination for bugs. So I'm happy
0: about that. Yeah. Here in Arizona last week, I was actually out of state. I was at the Masters last week, but I heard factually from this Guy that I was in line just chatting with as I was buying swag in the pro shop at the Masters. He told me it was like freezing, like last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And not literally freezing, but really cold, windy, rainy. (laughs) And yesterday it was a hundred degrees. So holy cow. Heck of a swing there. But as I was walking around the neighborhood, there are little ants just everywhere tearing up pavers and you know digging stuff up so it's a great sign a uh, little little money makers dude. exactly that's awesome exactly well cool man it's been a while since we've recorded we have been playing some episodes that we recorded in the past but we haven't actually recorded for several weeks now so it's good to be back we are probably going to launch this episode really soon so this is the second week in april summer's right around the corner Sun's coming out, so there's a lot to be done, a lot of growth for pest control companies. Before we jump in, we have a really cool topic today, Eric. I think the listener is going to get a lot out of it. Before we get there, make sure that you join our Bug Bucks group, B-U-G, B-U-X on Facebook. Lots of great resources there. We've been teasing about this video content that that Bug Bucks is creating and There are teasers every once in a while that we're going to be dropping in there about that content that is designed to help pest control companies grow and flourish. And also, we have the occasional giveaway. We're trying to get organized with it. It's a little crazy at times, but make sure you join that group. We had somebody, I don't know if you saw Eric, but I think maybe not because I was the one that was approving the group admittance to these people. But we had some, I need to give him a shout. I think his name was Jose. Invited like 10 people on Sunday. So that's just a great example. If you have, you know, co workers or, you know, other people in the industry that you know that you think could benefit from our group, make sure to invite them. I'm going to find out who that is and give him a shout because that was awesome. And they were all of them were PCOs, right? They were just perfect for our group. They're going to be able to receive and add a lot of value to it. So that was awesome. So make sure to invite your friends. That's a great way to kind of give back. You know, Eric and I get quite a few people saying, hey, thanks, keep up the good work. Like, we love you guys. Best thing you can do is invite people to our group. The right people, pest control owners or people that are thinking about starting their companies. So appreciate that. Well, let's get into it. I was just chatting with Eric about how a lot of questions that we get from PCOs it, it elicits this response of, it well, it depends. You know, like, hey, how much should I spend on marketing? Well, it depends. How much, you know, how many employees should I have? How long should be my average wait time in that call center? You know, what types of services should we provide? Top to bottom, there's a lot of things that it really depends, especially on the trajectory of your company, what your goals are, what, you know, you're willing to sacrifice, things like that. And so I thought that, we should do an episode about the things that it doesn't depend on, right? It, you know, you, on your growth and all these other things. What are some things that are must do's in the pest control industry? If you are a PCO that you really need to do these things, it doesn't depend on anything else. And so we're going to kind of create a list and we don't really have anything. We haven't prepared anything. This is going to be more off the, top of our heads and kind of elicit this discussion. And I think we'll get into some, some non-must-dos and just you know chat about the things that would affect those decisions. But uh, why don't you kick us off, Eric? What are some things that if you're a pest control company, you 100% need to do what? Okay. So it's hard for me
1: not to work in like chronological order here. And I've got a list of things and just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about all the high liability stuff, you know, like the must do's to me mm-hmm. are ones that if you don't do them, you could be putting your company in jeopardy in case something bad happens. Right. So right off the top of my head, you got to have the right kind of insurance. You got to have the right kind of insurance and you got to have the right people on it, your employees, the guys that are driving your rigs, you know, the right types of policies. And here's the thing. I know that some people, maybe not some people, few people I hope might be interested in fudging the numbers a little bit, or maybe not telling the whole story to your, your insurance agent to maybe save a buck or two Mm -hmm. Dude, don't do it. Like if it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how you run things, as long as you are a hundred percent honest with your insurance agent, with how you run them, because if something happens and you come to your agent and you say, Hey, this is what was going on and they say well that's not what you disclosed to us about how you're running your business and you say oh sorry about that they're going to say well we're sorry cuz we're not going to cover that right and that kind of a scenario mm-hmm. i mean money's one thing right and you can you know declare bankruptcy and everything else but your whole brand would be finished at that point so not to you know start off on a total downer but <laughs> dude a must for me have the right insurance policies in place, find a good agent, find somebody who can lead you in the right direction Mm -hmm. and get all that stuff ironed out.
0: Yep, that's a great point. You know, with commercial insurance, a lot of it, so with, you know, with your GL policy, a lot of that's going to depend, your rate's going to depend on projected revenue, right? And then your employee coverage, workers comp coverage is going to depend a lot on payroll. And so a lot of those things are estimates, but make sure that you're getting kind of close to it. You have a crystal ball and they'll do an after year audit, but make sure that you have those coverages. I would even recommend an umbrella policy to kind of fill Mm -hmm. in the gaps. We're in an industry and I'll say this and then we'll move on, but we're in an industry that is it's fairly risky. And I've talked about this before, about how the most dangerous thing that we'll do in our lives is operate a vehicle. Well, we do that for a living. And not only that, but sometimes they're younger technicians. And so we have to make sure that we have really great coverage in place. That is, in my opinion, a must do. Let me throw one back at you. I talk about financial statements a lot. I think every single pest control company need some sort of Mm -hmm. bookkeeping system and they need to be making sure that the books are accurate on a month by month basis.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and especially what you said, like, you know, I imagine that there's some people out here that have their books and they have a kind of an idea of what they're going to spend. And they're thinking, man, I'm so busy right now. I'll do my books later, you know, or I'll do my books come tax time or I'll figure things out then or whatever's going on. There's no way like, uh, That sounds like a horrible scenario, you know? So do your books, have that information available to you. And then, like you said, make sure they're accurate monthly, especially another thing that's really easy. If you run payroll every two weeks, which I think a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. then check it bi-weekly or every other week, you know, make sure that everything's up to date. Make sure that you are checking expenses and keeping an eye on things. I mean, I imagine that people want to know kind of where their money's going and how it's being allocated. So Mm -hmm. That's a great must, 100%.
0: I think a lot of people work from their bank statements hmm. and they look at their bank balance. That's just, you can't really operate your company that way. Get you know the entry-level QuickBooks. Don't try to do it on a spreadsheet. Get some type of software system. It's 30 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month. Get those your chart of accounts set up and stay on top of that so you can make business decisions. Uh, what else you got on your list, Eric? All right. So
1: another thing, licensing, you know, here's another one that kind of comes in with insurance here. You know, I know that in some States it's kind of tricky to get an operator's license and there's lots of different things you have to do for pesticides and herbicides and weed and all sorts of other stuff. And structural pest control is different. And long story short, it can take a little while for you to get all that stuff dialed in. Yeah. Don't forget about it. You know, there's a lot of people who will kind of get a basic license just to get operating and then they'll start doing business and then they'll get into these realms of pest control that they're not really licensed for. And then, you know, they'll be like, well, I know I got to take that test, but I don't really have time to do it because I'm so busy, Mm. you know, and before you know it, something's going to happen where you get audited by some department of agriculture and he's going to say, hey, so I saw that you did this application and you use these types of products but I don't show you that you have this license. Like, am I wrong or are you breaking the law? (laughs) Right? I mean, you know, being on the wrong side of the department of agriculture as a pest control company, Mm -hmm. dude,
0: that is not a good thing. I hear you. We, in one state in particular, we used, I can't remember what the word was. I think organic on our website, they didn't like Mm -hmm. it. And we have operate multiple states, but this one particular state didn't like it. And you're absolutely right. That's a relationship that you really need to take care of. As annoying as some of those, you know, agents or reps can be, just make sure that there's no question about that. You err on the side of, you know, them telling you to jump and you just ask how high. And it's taken a a few slaps on the wrist for me to get mentally to that space. So... I'll throw one at you. I was listening to the Paul Janimore interview that just came out with the CEO of Rentikill. And I think that a must do slash have for all PCOs is a safety policy slash culture. I think safety has to be in the conversation I think the it depends part is how you incorporate it. Oh, yeah. And the specifics. But I think on some level, every pest control company needs to regularly do safety training, focus and talk about safety, especially when incidents happen, creating, you know, this company-wide communication about how it's not going to happen again and on and on. But there has to be some level of communication on a regular basis about safety
1: oh 100 and you said before i think one of your guys's core philosophies at proof is safety mm-hmm. you want to be the mm-hmm. safest pest control company in the world yep and you know i mean if you think about all the different things and we talked about driving before like driving is the most dangerous thing that you're going to do in your life and our technicians do this every day for eight hours nine hours ten hours a day And so just right there, there's going to be some safety protocols and procedures. And then on top of that, you know, modern day products are designed to be Mm -hmm. as safe as possible for both people and technicians and the environment, but they require some very specific safety Mm -hmm. protocols, you know, and they've got labels that you hope that all the technicians read, (laughs) but honestly, it doesn't happen often enough. And you're right. So good. Safety has to be a core philosophy of your company. I agree. What else? What else is on that list? All right. So this is an early one. So, you know, we talked about insurance, We talked about licensing. Okay. If you're in like the time where you're thinking about building a pest control company, and maybe you have another job that you're doing and you're using your off time to start serving customers, right? As your own personal pest control business, you got to get a separate business entity. Mm. You got to get separate bank accounts. You have to Separate yourself from business assets and personal assets. Yes. Big liabilities there. Any attorney you talk to, any business attorney that you speak with is going to probably tell you that first thing. And honestly, starting, you know, licensing Mm -hmm. your business, it's not that expensive. Opening bank accounts, not that complicated. But if something happens and you tie yourself up in some kind of a
0: liability, Mm -hmm. untying yourself is very complicated. Yeah. So that's a must for me. That's a great point. My head wasn't even there, but that's this may be the number one must do. This one in insurance, licensing is getting there, but how you set up your company in terms of liability. I remember, Eric, just quick story. I was kind of going back and forth with this guy. I think it was a different form. This was years ago about, no, it wasn't Bug Bucks, I think, but it was, I was trying to understand what he was saying about how he deducted vehicle expenses. And I couldn't figure it out because (laughs) it's not how we do it and it just sounded all wrong. And then I realized that he was a sole prop. He didn't have Mm -hmm. any protection from his personal assets. He didn't have any business liability protection for for personal um, assets. And then I was like, why are we talking about how to deduct these vehicle expenses? He has a much, much (laughs) larger problem. So yeah, make sure that those two, two high-level points, make sure that you have an entity set up so that the liability stops with the business assets. The two watch out for are sole props, DBAs. I guess there's a third one and that's partnerships. Those can pass to individual liability. And what we're talking about here just briefly is, um, mm-hmm. let's say there's a catastrophic event or something happens with a vehicle and it surpasses limits on insurance, there's a deficit there they can go after. And then it also surpasses business assets. So there are no business assets. The business is now insolvent because of whatever happened. Now they can go after your personal assets as well. They could go after your personal home or whatever. And obviously the specifics are going to depend on your state and your situation, but that's what you need to watch out for. Get an LLC or higher, as I like to say. Make sure that that liability is limited. And then number two, I would say, and you mentioned this, like let's keep those assets in the bank account separate because here's the kicker and here is why. And I've seen this when I was on uh, working as an attorney. If you co-mingle funds, if you treat, even if you call mm-hmm. your business separate and separate from liability, but you treat it like it's two businesses are the same, you're co-mingling funds, we've heard about that a lot, then you could be declared to pierce the corporate veil is what it's called. And that basically means that that separation no longer exists. So number one, get that legal entity set up so that you have that personal asset protection. And then number two, make sure that you're not co-mingling funds or doing other things that could pierce the corporate veil and make that separation null and void in the first place we're wrapping up here just a few more minutes. I think as we've been discussing this, I feel like there are more things than I would initially thought. I, when we came up with this idea, I was thinking, oh, maybe there's three or four things. There's probably north of 10 things. Regardless of what 100%. the specifics are, you must have a plan for acquiring customers. The earliest companies fail because of a lack of top-line revenue. It's nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. I was working with a company that's in some really dire situation just yesterday. And the problem is top line revenue. So make sure it doesn't... I don't care if you're doing door-to-door. I don't care if you're doing flyers. I don't care if you're doing Facebook groups or other forms of digital marketing. I don't care if you have billboards or Mm -hmm. telephone book or whatever. Make sure that you have some plan. And this should be toward the top of your list. We've got liability figured out. We've got insurance. We've got a separation of liability. We've got our licensing in there. Let's figure out how to bring in some customers.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess that's kind of funny that that wasn't like number one. I think it's just so assumed that if you're going to run a Mm -hmm. pest control company, your dream is to acquire customers, you know? And there was a post that I saw, I don't think it was in our group. I think it was in a different pest control group where somebody mentioned, hey, you know, like I just started my company a little bit ago and, you know, things are a little bit lean as far as customers coming in, you know, what can I do? And- You know, the comments are really good, like, hey, door to door, some different options for them and stuff. And the thing you have to remember is that pest control is not one of those scenarios where you just set up a shop on the corner and then the customers just come to you and you just sell stuff all day. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work that way. If you live in a market where you're even thinking about pest control, that means there are likely 10, 20, 30 companies already there doing it. Exactly. And they already have a presence. They're already going to be taking those customers in that volume. So you have to have a strategy to get new customers.
0: It's just not going to work any other way. Yep. Love that. Let's wrap up with this. Kind of This is along the same line of liability. And I might get some flack for this, but I don't think you should be operating a pest control company if you have employees. If you don't have some form of non-compete, non-solicitation confidentiality agreement. And I'm not saying it has to be egregious. I'm not saying that it has to, you know, step over the line and make it so that people can't, if they, you know, were to leave your company, they can't make a living wage and things like that. Big things are, especially with the non-solicitation, which I think is the biggest piece and the confidentiality agreement, you know, they need to be careful with sensitive data, customers' names, addresses, credit card information, things like that. But then you also want to set yourself up so that they don't, come after your customers and your employees. I don't think you should operate a pest control company if you have employees without that.
1: 100%. You know, the non-compete has been something that's been in kind of like hot talks and Mm -hmm. news and different things about how enforceable it is. And we're not going to dive into the legalities of that, but a non-solicit is something that's very enforceable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to be able to keep your employees from starting their own pest control companies, which happens all the time, I'm guessing that there's probably at Mm -hmm. least... I don't know, 50, 60, 70% of the people that listen to this podcast probably worked for a pest control company Mm -hmm. at some other point in time, right? Exactly. So it's like, you guys know what we're talking about. So you want to be able to protect yourself from anybody leaving, starting their own company, and then coming right after your customers that they have relationships with. So non-solicits, got to have them. That's a great one. Before we jump off, I just wanted to mention this. You kind of touched on this when it came to business entities, but- Once you own a business Mm -hmm. and you're planning on growing this, get some guy to do your taxes, get an accountant, get a tax planner, get somebody who understands tax strategy and can help you manage your Mm. assets in that way. Mm -hmm. Because now that you're a business owner, taxes Mm -hmm. are different. It is a completely different ballgame with Mm -hmm. taxes than when you were working for someone else as a W-2 employee. Everything's different now. So have someone else do it.
0: That's a really good point. I think there's some people that like with their, you know, keeping books and keeping your books, I think you can do that on your own for a little while. I know we did. I was actually doing it in the early days of proof, but this one I think is also a non-negotiable. Get somebody that's professional. It really helps because, and I've screwed stuff up with my taxes, especially early on. It really helps Mm -hmm. when you have somebody else that you could say, oh, you know, If you show that you made an effort to hire a professional, it's really tough for people to, you know, IRS, other agencies to say, hey, this was fraudulent or this is inexcusable or whatever. So that's definitely a must do. I don't know that our list today has been exhaustive. I think there's probably a thing or two, maybe three or four, but I think that we hit the big ones. I think we got those really large rocks in the jar. Where it's like, you got to do these things. And then if you have these things in place, really the rest is just, you know, details. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I think once you've got this stuff dialed in, and here's the thing, it's a lot to do. I'm I'm not going to say that it isn't uh, or that it's easy, but I will tell you that it's 1000% worth it to get this stuff squared away. Yep,
0: And I'm a really fast mover when it comes to companies, but these are things that you just have to do. Now, these are worst case scenario situations. So, we're not talking likelihood, you know, especially with liability insurance. And, you know, we talked about piercing the corporate veil. It's not very likely. But when you take care of these must-dos or must-haves, you're significantly increasing the chances that your business is going to survive. Because if you don't do these your business and every single one of them, every single one of the things that we mentioned, if you don't do it, your business is at severe risk of not surviving. So it's not the surefire way to succeed, but it's a surefire way to you know have too much risk and stress. So get those yes. things knocked out. Yeah, this has been awesome. We want to remind you real quick, join the Facebook group, Bug Bucks, B-U-G, B-U-X. Join the conversation there. See what value you can add to that group and you know i think what's cool eric is that people have we have different skill sets you know there's some things that my partners do really well that i don't and that group it acts as like this really large partnership so make sure to check that out and if you enjoyed this episode if there's somebody that you're thinking of that could benefit from what we talked about today do us a huge favor share this episode with them bless their lives And it will come back to you tenfold. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode.